If you've chosen success as an adult by trying to suppress these character traits, I want you to know it doesn't work. If we don't clean this up, then we give it to our children. Carl Jung, on his 80th birthday, gave an interview to the BBC. And he said that my entire philosophy and my approach to the human mind was already anticipated 200 years ago by a great rabbi known as Rabbi Ber of Mezrich, meaning the Magid. Now, what did Jung know of the Magid's teachings? I have no clue. I don't know what he was exposed to. I'm not sure why he felt that the Magid's Torah encompassed all of his insights. But that's what he said. That's what he himself said. So as I mentioned, on Shabbos, there's a... There's a quote from Jung that the greatest burden on the life of the child is the unlived life of the parent. And if Jung said that everything he taught was really from Chsidis, was really from the Magid, we must be able to find that in Chsidis. And we should be able to find it. It happens to be that we don't even have to look far <laughs> because today Shabbos was Parshas Vayishlach and in Parshas Vayishlach we have the answer or at least an answer a prime example of the unlived life of a parent being a driving force in the life of a child. We're told in this week's Parsha that Dina went out. She went out to see what was going on with the Canaanite girls. The mother says that they made a dance with music. She was interested. She liked music. She liked dance. And she went to go see what was going on. And she was kidnapped by the son of the local chieftain. And she was violated. And it's a terrible, tragic story. But the Torah tells us that Dina, Basleya, why Basleya, not Basyankiv? Because Kibita, Kiima Kibita, like a mother, like a daughter. Or what do they say in English? Like mother, like daughter. That she was a chip off the old block. Then Dina was like her mother. How was she like her mother? Dina also, or Leia also went out. She was very outgoing. When she wanted to have more children with Yankiv Avino, with our patriarch Jacob, she approached him and she said, I've uh, obtained the rights for tonight and I'd like to have more children. She was uh, very outgoing, very unconventional. And um, we actually know that she had a sister, a younger sister, Leia's younger sister, of course, was Rachel, that really she had always been the interesting one for her whole life, even when they were children. Rachel, it tells us, was Yifas Toya Yifas Mare, 
which means beautiful, but it doesn't just mean her physical appearance. It means that too, but it means her personality. Rahul was conventionally appealing in every way, her personality. She was the type of kid who's easy to raise. She said that she was a type of kid who's naturally a good student, naturally charismatic, people like her. Rachel means a sheep. She was perky. She was bouncy, like a sheep, very cute, very lovable, fun. Meanwhile, Leah says that she had soft eyes. That means bleary eyes. And the commentaries tell us from crying, from tears. Why does she have tears? So a simple reason, which is also related to the deeper reason, is that her whole life, people were playing matchmaker with her. They said, oh, look, it's so cute. Rachel and Leah are sisters. Yankov and Esav, Jacob and Esau are brothers. So Yankov, you know, he's the straight shooter. He's Ishtam Yeshevei Holom. He was a, a learner. He sat in yeshiva. He learned. He was a conventionally good boy. So they said, let's make a shidduch, the conventionally good boy with the conventionally good girl, and they'll have a conventionally good home. Beautiful. Meanwhile, Leah was unconventional. So people said, oh, let's put her with Esav. Esav was a wild guy. He was an Ishtayin, a hunter. Kind of... Job is that for a nice Jewish boy. And so they said, let's put Leah with Esav. And she didn't want to go with this wild guy, so she was crying. But on a deeper level, we find out that really the reason that she was crying about that was because she took it personally. That her whole life, she wanted to be normal, like Rachel, like her cute younger sister who outshined her. She just wanted to be the good kid that people liked. And instead, she was unconventional. We're told also, crying, the fact that she was crying is the sign of a, of a balchuva, someone who's a true penitent cries. Rachel was like a tzaddikis, a righteous girl. Meaning you have two paradigms. The girl who gets everything right the first time She's happy, no mistakes, nothing to fix, nothing to repair, and that's Rachel. Leah is the one who's rough around the edges. She makes mistakes, she falls, she gets up, she dusts herself off, she tries to, to go forward again. But she, you know, she's outgoing, so she takes risks, and she experiments, and, you know, she's a little bit scarier to raise, and a little bit more unpredictable, and not all the teachers necessarily get along with her, and, you know, the type. And so when they said, oh, you know who you'd be good for? Let's put you with Esav. That was the deepest insult to her because that was touching her nerve. That basically everything she feared, the worst thing you could say to Leah was basically exposing this concept that she was offbeat, that she was different. And once you say, go with Esav, that's it. That's her, that's her most sensitive issue. So she ran from that. She absolutely ran from that. And what we're told is that unfortunately, 
She ran from her destiny because she was offbeat and unconventional and daring and bold enough that she actually could have transformed Esau. We know that Yitzchak loved Esau. He saw something. He saw a light in him. But it was a frenetic, chaotic light. It's called in Kabbalah. And, and it wasn't channeled. Esau was a very lofty soul, but his energy was chaotic energy. And he needed to channel it. He couldn't channel it. He didn't channel it successfully. Leah, if she would have been married to Esau, she would have helped him to channel it because she was also out of the box. But she, she resisted that. She ran from it. So what happens? She has a daughter, Dina. And Dina is a replica of her mother, of Leah. Dina is also unconventional and outgoing. And she hears the music of the Canaanite girls and she wants to check it out. She's curious. She's not afraid. She wants to go see what's happening. Dina had the potential to do what her mother ran away from. When they had their showdown with Asaph, Yankee Ravino took his daughter Dina and literally put her in a box. Dina was like Leah, she was out of the box. And Yankee literally hid her in a box. Not to oppress her, not to not to, to take away anything from her, but to the, to the contrary, he was protecting her. He knew that she was uh, liable to attract the wrong attention, so he wanted to hide her, he wanted to protect her. And what loving father wouldn't want to protect his daughter? The problem is, in hiding her from Esau, they missed it the second time. She had the same power her mother had, and if she would have married Esau, she could have transformed him. And we all know that when Yankov had a showdown with Esau, Yankov said, I'm ready for Mashiach, are you? And Esau wasn't ready for Mashiach. If Esau would have married Leah or Dina, Esau would have been ready for Mashiach. Mashiach would have been here already thousands of years ago. And we're told that because Yankov hid Dina in a box, what befell him, eventually, ultimately, this tragedy where she was kidnapped by the local Canaanite chieftain. In other words, when there's a child who has an unconventional, unusual light, and we try to hide it because we're afraid, It doesn't make things better. First of all, the very thing that we were afraid of ends up happening anyway, God forbid. In the end, she was who she was. She went out. She was curious. She checked out the scene. There was no way you were going to suppress that forever. So that's first of all. The thing we were afraid of and tried to prevent, it happens anyway. But second of all, probably more importantly, the incredible gift that this child has for the world, the world ends up never receiving. Dina had a gift, like her mother had a gift, that she could have brought Mashiach. 
She wasn't given that opportunity. So we have to think, how many of us have children who don't fit the mold? Children who have a special light, maybe they're extra sensitive, they, they feel things more deeply. Maybe like Leia, they're crying a lot because, you know, they're intense like that. They're not the perky, happy kid. They're the, the kid who feels everything incredibly deeply. The HSP is the highly sensitive people, right? And they have these quirky talents. And they're interested in all types of unconventional things. And schools don't know what to do with them sometimes. And we don't know what to do with them sometimes. But allowing these children to shine their light can bring Mashiach. And by the way, just so you know, nothing against the Rachel paradigm. We need Rachels too. We need the type A personalities. We need the organized people. Otherwise, nothing would get done. We need people who know how to make small talk and chit-chat and of course we need those people. You know, the head counselor types. Of course we need that. But I don't feel like they need such a strong advocate. And if the time will come when they do need an advocate, I'll advocate for them as well. Although I will admit a bias that I do have a certain affinity for the Leia paradigm because that's me. Because uh, I'm not a normal guy. And Baruch Hashem, I found ways of channeling it. I found, I found my gifts... And I use them in ways that I hope help people. But, uh, and if you want me to get really personal, I can. But um, should I? Yeah. Well, it's a fabric. Okay, L'chaim. This is just cinnamon tea, by the way, but L'chaim. That's all I need, by the way. I don't even need more than cinnamon tea. That's it. I was spicy. Okay. A Shabbos like this is, 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 is hard for me because there's a lot of people. There's, there's a lot of human beings, a lot of human energy. And just being in a space with a lot of people is like being in a room with hundreds of radios all on full blast playing different music and, and news. And it, it's, it's overwhelming. Um. After a Shabbos like this, I'll be knocked out for a good week. I'll have to stay home and stay away from any human energy other than basically my own family. Um, just because it, it affects me that way. So, obviously, as you could imagine, and this, is this like too... Uh, Indulgent, you asked me to be personal. It's okay. All right. You'll let me know when I, because that's another one of my issues is that I, I have certain blind spots and I don't know when I'm revealing too much or being cringy. So you'll let me know. The people online, by the way, they're very, very good at that. They always let me know when I'm being cringy. I get plenty of cyberbullying. Those people don't hold back. They'll let you know the minute you bore them or say anything they don't like. They'll leave cruel comments. Thank you, cruel cyberbullies, for 
giving me a reality check. Thank you. Okay. Um, so that's tough for me, right? That's, but at the same time, I've realized how to use that as a gift. Like the fact that I'm able to feel things acutely and to pick up on things very, very rapidly and uh, to feel what people are feeling. Um, so I've been able to use that to help people. Sometimes I'm able to have insights. And it, 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 sometimes people come, they'll talk to me, and I'll, I'll speak to them for you know, half an hour, and uh, I can... I never tell them anything, by the way, original. I never tell people something that they didn't already tell me. I just absorb it and tell it back to them, and they say, wow, that was amazing. Oh, yeah, it was amazing because it was the person's own wisdom. I was just saying it back to them. But sometimes they don't hear themselves talk. So I absorb it. I give it back to them, and they say, oh, that was such clarity. You changed my life. Okay, great. I'm glad that that, that did it for you. But th that, that's an example of something that, for me, you know, everything's a double-edged sword. And if I only knew how it made me an introvert and made it impossible to function at social gatherings and made me allergic to going to weddings and things like that, you know, that would be pretty terrible. But when you discover how to use your, uh, your talent, right, when Dumbo figures out that the big ears help him fly, so it's a modern myth, but it resonates for a reason. So what I'm telling you is, that, was that enough personal confession? Okay, all right. What I'm telling you is, first of all, there are children who have special gifts and we need to celebrate them and we need to give them opportunities to channel their gifts. Every weakness is a strength. Every weakness is a strength if you know how to use it. But then the other thing I want to tell you is this. And this is where I started. I said that uh, Jung said that the unlived life of the parent is the greatest burden on the child. Some of you are also Leia's and Dina's. And you haven't made peace with that in yourself. And what I'm telling you is that they call it masking, assuming a personality for the public that's more socially acceptable. We all do it to an extent. Some of us do it constantly, which makes things uh, very difficult, very exhausting to have to See, Rachel, you put her in a social setting and she shines automatically, effortlessly. In fact, she's energized by being in a social setting. It gives her energy. But you take Leia and you put her in a social setting and uh, if she's going to be herself with her weepy, bleary eyes, everyone's going to say, what a weirdo. So she has to adhere to social norms so people think she's polite. You know how many times in my life I've got from people, why were you mad at me? I wasn't mad at Well, I, I said hello to you, and you, you scowled. First of all, I probably didn't see you. Second of all, 
Was it in public? I was probably overwhelmed. By the way, I want to apologize right now. It's not even a joke. And I know everyone's going to laugh like it's a joke. I'm not even joking. To everybody who came over to me and tried to talk to me earlier tonight, I apologize if I was gruff. I, I'm sure I, I probably snapped at a few people, just not intentionally, but being like, you know, that face, you know. But that's just uh, being overwhelmed, just getting a lot of intense signals. So uh, what I'm saying is if you're like that, and I know some of you are, probably the back row is like all like that, right? Yeah, the back row, back of the bus. Yeah. <laughs> I do the same thing, by the way. If I like a speaker, I walk, I pace in the back. It's the only way I can do it. I'll sit in the front row. I'll give you eye contact. I'll play, a, you know, I'll play like a good boy, but I didn't hear a word. If I want to hear you, stand in the back and pace. That's how I do it. Got to do it that way. Um, so if you're like that, and for whatever reason, you experienced shame for being that way, or the social rejection of being that way was so painful, you made a vow to yourself never to be your true self again. And you suppressed your light. Boshem, I know that there's many people here who have no idea what I'm talking about right now, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful to the people who have no idea what I'm describing right now. But if you are kind of a person who learned early on that there were certain unwritten rules of life that everybody knew except for you, if you realized somehow you were missing social cues that everyone knew and you were totally oblivious, but at the same time, you were super aware of tiny little details that nobody noticed, you know, the complete extreme opposites. On one hand, you're missing things that are as obvious as day. On the other hand, you're totally aware of stuff, tiny little details to the point where people say, are you psychic? Not psychic, it's called pattern recognition. When this is how you navigate life, it takes me 15 seconds to understand what you're going to say for the next 15 minutes. But that's another fault. It sounds arrogant. <laughs> it's not. I promise you, people have energy and people tell you a lot. And within 15 seconds, you pretty much know where they're going to go for the next 15 minutes. Maybe even for the next 15 hours. You can read it all very quickly. But at the same time, you know, I can get lost in my own neighborhood. Okay, so if this is you, if you relate to this on any level, what I'm trying to tell you is this. If you've chosen success as an adult by trying to suppress these character traits, I want you to know it doesn't work <laughs> because... Leia tried the same thing. She said, I'll marry Yankovino and I'll be normal. And sooner or later, someone's going to have to, to deal with this. If it's not you, it's going to be your child. The unlived life of the parent is the greatest burden on the child. So if we don't clean this up, then we give it to our children. And any loving parent 
would take on all the pain in the world to avoid their child having even one iota of pain. So, isn't it better that we just learn how to embrace ourselves and be authentic rather than handing down something to our child that our child doesn't even understand what it is that's mysterious and confusing? And here's what I want to explain to you. When I say to embrace yourself and to be yourself and to be authentic, I know there's a lot of ruffles here who hear, hear that as like a license to just go wild and want and abandon and flouting the rules. It's not what I'm saying. I didn't even imply it. I didn't even fake it. It's not what I'm thinking. When I say to embrace your true self, what I mean is this. Say this. teaches us how to look at our entire selves. See, this gives us light to see and to confront all of us and ultimately to find the purpose for which Hashem created every one of us and even within one of us on a more detailed level, every character trait that you have was created for Hashem's glory. When we run from it and suppress it, then unfortunately, God forbid, it gets mischanneled and it comes out in dysfunctional ways. Like happened to Dina. But if you can just admit that it's there, that you have this quality, this talent, and that if Hashem gave it to you, it has to have a purpose. There has to be a way of using it for Hashem's glory. There has to be a way of using it for the sake of heaven. There has to be. Chassid is, 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 a, is a system. See, this is a, a manual for living. It's not just something you learn for inspiration. I think that's a common misconception. See, this guides us on a path how to look within ourselves and to make sure that every layer and level of self, whether it's behavior, which is the most obvious level, because it's external, or it's our emotions, which is more interior, or even our intellect, which is even more internal than emotions, and then even subconscious levels, the makifim, if you use the Kabbalistic terms. See, this teaches us how to shine a light on every level of our persona and to make sure that it's being used in a godly way. that it's being channeled properly. So embracing yourself doesn't mean let it all go and do whatever you want and there are no more rules anymore, God forbid. Em embracing yourself means that you're not broken, you're not defective, you're not weird. You are perfect. You are just as Hashem made you. And you have a moral obligation that every one of your character traits be used for goodness. 
we have free choice. Yes, there is such a thing as a bad choice. There is, a, there is such a thing as something you shouldn't do, you're not allowed to do, that's prohibited. But you know what that is? That's when we take a character trait that could have been channeled in a productive way, and that energy gets pent up, and it comes out in a way that we didn't anticipate. It, it, it forces itself out. And doesn't absolve us of accountability. Obviously, we're accountable. We have free choice. I'm not here to take away anybody's accountability. There, there's scarvainish, reward and punishment, cause and effect. All of these things are true. What I'm saying is because there's accountability, so you know what you're also accountable for? You're accountable for looking deep within yourself and 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 accepting who you are and that Hashem didn't make a mistake and figuring out how to use that in a way that brings glory to Hashem, in a way that benefits the world, in a way that brings Mashiach closer, in a way that makes a Kiddush Hashem, that shows the world that Hashem and Torah and Yiddishkeit are a force for goodness. So don't be afraid of yourself. Don't fight yourself. Don't be allergic to yourself. I had a whole wacky theory that uh, I'm going to get really wacky over here. This is why so many, so many of us have autoimmune disorders. I was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis when I was 12. It's an autoimmune disorder. I won't disclose medical history of the rest of my family, but, uh, you know, especially among Jews, I'm sure you know somebody with Crohn's or IBS, sometimes diabetes comes on as an autoimmune disorder. What is that? Why does your God-given body want to fight itself? Why does this miracle called the immune system attack its own body? There, there, there's a, there's a, an inner conflict. And it's not just happening on the physiological level. It's mirroring. That's the lower level manifestation. It's happening emotionally and cognitively and even on spiritual levels. So it's time. It's time for the healing to happen. This generation is the generation of healing. And it's time to figure out why Hashem made you the way that you are and what your special gift is and your special light. Hating yourself, suppressing yourself, fighting yourself, it's not healthy. And really, it's not the way to bring Mashiach. Because when Mashiach comes, everything will be perfected. Everything will be finally set right. It'll go back to the way that it was supposed to be, but even better. Gaulus, the exile, is where things are dysfunctional. And we're constantly trying to correct them and to force them to work. Gullus is one long, multi-millennia long 
struggle to take things that are broken and just try to make the best of it, try to make it work somehow, just strong arm it, force it. Gula is when everything is right in the world. And it, it's actually the most natural state of being. It's intuitive. Unfortunately, we've been in Gullus so long that we have now this Gullus mentality that has covered up our natural intuition. But that's why we have to learn Siddhis, the teachings of the Balshantav. We have to listen to the soul language and to see the truth and to absorb the truth and to start to see things from a Gula perspective. Teachings of Chassidus are a foretaste of Mashiach. Just like Erev Shabbos, it's a mitzvah to taste from all the dishes that you cooked for Shabbos. So too, before Mashiach comes, we have a mitzvah to taste the clarity that's going to abound in the world when Mashiach comes. We have a mitzvah to taste that clarity now to see what's good, to see what's right, to see that being aligned with Hashem's will is the most natural, pleasurable thing in the world. Not a struggle. It's, it's you. It's your authentic self. Golis is a struggle. Mashiach is... We can, we can finally breathe. We can finally breathe. So we have the tools today. We have the tools to see how everything has its purpose. Everything has its place. When the Alter Rebbe was redeemed from prison, he was saying to Hillam, you know why? Because the whole time he was in prison, he said a lot of Tillam. And it happened to be happened to be one of the main teachings of the Baal Shem Tov is that nothing happens to be. It's all Hashgacha Pratis. When they came to the cell to free the Alter Rebbe, he was reading a particular verse. The verse is from chapter 55 of Psalms. King David said this. But the words resonate through the ages. My soul was redeemed in peace. What does that mean? Not just nafshi. My soul was redeemed. My soul was redeemed in peace. It was a peaceful redemption. See, this is the part of nafshi. It's the peaceful redemption of every one of us and every detail of your personality. Rede redeeming it means taking it out of the box and using it for what Hashem intended it to be used for. And when this happens, it should be peaceful. It should feel natural. It should feel like coming home. And that's what it is. Mashiach is coming home. So each one of us has to come home to ourselves and have a peaceful personal redemption. It's not a struggle. It's peace. It's peaceful. 
It's Shabbos-like. Yom Shekulei Shabbos. Shabbos is a day of menucha, of tranquility. And that, that's what we're starting to taste now as Mashiach is getting closer. No more struggles. Peace. Wholeness. It's the same word, really. Shalim, shalem. It's the same word. Peace and wholeness is one word. Completeness. Being your true self. I wonder if we could get the crowd singing Podavishalom Nafshi. We do it? Oh. 